Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Fire Service Data and Tech Talk. Hey, everybody, it's Eddie Buchanan back with the 2004 season of the Fire Service Data and Tech Talk podcast on fire engineering. And of course, this time of year, everybody is planning for FDIC. So we're making travel arrangements. We're making sure everything is ready to go for the conference. Uh, I'm excited to do a workshop there uh, called Operationalizing Data in the Fire Service. It's going to be a fun workshop. It's it's one of those classes that if you're if you know you need to know more about data, you know that there's more that you could do with data. You might be trying to do more with data. Um, it's going to be that that's a good workshop for you, right? So we're going to kind of start at the beginning, get on a level playing field, and then get into some real oper- operations type of stuff about how you can learn, uh, you know, operational intelligence from the data that you have access to in your fire department. So it should be a lot of fun. I hope everybody will get registered, and we'll see you all in Indianapolis coming up in April. Now today's episode. This actually stems from uh, one of the Fire Dog meetings I recently attended in Texas. And if you're not familiar with Fire Dog and you're listening to this podcast, you probably should be. Um, it stands for the Fire Data Analyst Working Group, Fire Dog. It is a group that the IFC coordinates uh, of people that are really specifically interested in data. So if you just go in and search Fire Data Analyst Working Group on the on any search engine, It'll come up and you can see it. You, you, you want to go uh, be aware of that if you're interested in, in technology and data. And they meet several times a year uh, in person. And it's, it's really a useful uh, opportunity for folks that are involved in that type of work. And for example, this is where I was exposed to what our guests are talking about today, which was really amazing. And I, I, I got excited about the topic because there are a couple of reasons Number one, it's just really cool. I was blown away by what what they're able to do uh, there as far as situational awareness and real-time data transfer. And then the other thing I thought was really interesting, most municipal fire departments probably have the ingredients to do what they're doing. Like you you, you probably got some sort of GIS capability. Uh, Most fire departments have access to ESRI. Uh, Whether you know it or not, you you might have to work out how to access that, but it's, it's pretty common, pretty widespread. The, the challenges with uh, some of these things that we'll talk about today are getting all the people to play in the sandbox so that it will all work. That's that's one of the, the real challenges. So I want to introduce to the show my good friends at Frisco Fire Department down in Texas, right outside of Dallas. I've got with us today, I've got uh, Chief Clay Carpenter, Assistant Chief of Operations. Sir, welcome to you. Thank you for being on the show. Yes, sir. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to speak with you and uh, your audience. And also on our show, we have Susan Olson, who is the Assistant Director of Information Technology there for the city of Frisco. Uh, Susan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. Thanks for having us. We're really excited to be here. And uh, I got I to admit that I was snooping around on LinkedIn a little bit, and I saw your background in GIS, and I was very impressed. Uh, you you You've got a very extensive background in, in GIS, which is not really that's more of a you know more recent thing that people are talking about that that it's becoming top of mind in technology. Give, give a little bit of background of, of how you came up through the GIS world. Okay, well, I'm going to start off by showing my age. Yeah, so I've been um, 
in the GIS field for just about almost 33 years. I uh, started in 1991 working for one of the local cities as an intern and then worked kind of my way up um, into the GIS world. I um, got a degree in geography uh, because back then they really didn't teach GIS very much and um, we learned a lot of the concepts, a lot of the spatial concepts and we learned about learned about um, the importance of accurate accuracy and um, spatial accuracy and data accuracy. So I learned a lot of the concepts. Um, I moved on to uh, working in an appraisal district and then uh, here at a local city, city of Plano for five years. And then I've been here at the city of Frisco for the last 23 years. And um, this is where I've really had the opportunity to blend my um, interest in working with data with GIS, like business data with GIS and integrating those and um, being able to present that information and leveraging all that data that's out there in the business throughout an organization um, and specifically for um, public safety. Outstanding. Well, I, I, I was just like, oh, this is a GIS expert, which, you know, there aren't a lot. There are some, but not many. Right. So it, when I find one, I always want to go eh, point out that there's here's a resource that's uh, a tremendous resource for everybody. Uh, that's out there in the world that's doing really cool things with data and jazz and technology. So thank you again for, for coming on. Uh, Chief Carpenter, walk us, you're the chief operations now, right? Yes, sir. That's right. Uh, as of this year. Oh, tell us, a, give us year, the right? real quick, give us the quick tour through the career there. Yeah. So that's uh, kind of funny. It's a, uh, I like to say it's by happenstance. I kind of took uh, this path as far as when we're talking about the uh, data and uh, GIS, uh, Originally, I didn't consider myself much of a, a techie person. Uh, when I when I started the fire department um, over 20 years ago, I uh, I was like a lot of a uh, lot of young men, very hungry to just dive right in. So um, I I started off, you know, uh, my first passion was being a really good paramedic. I ended up being a paramedic uh, field uh, training officer. Dove into technical rescue, went to all the confined space schools and high angle schools and all those kind of things. That kind of morphed into hazardous materials and wildland. But sometime in 2007, um, I went and did something that uh, a lot of people took notice of, and it might make you laugh a little bit. Is uh, I bought, I was probably one of the first people in the fire department to buy an iPhone. And uh, that was a big deal, especially with uh, one of our assistant chiefs. This iPhone, this guy knows a lot about, uh, this guy's techie. Let's, let's go see what we can get him to do. So I uh, got introduced to uh, Susan and uh, a project that uh, shortly after she started working on. And um, all of a sudden, I, I lost all the things that I loved, wildland, hazardous materials, to, you know, technical rescue. And I've been kind of in the, uh, the data side of the world, you know, in the fire department uh, ever since then. I still get to do the operational stuff, which is a lot of fun. But uh, uh, I really found something that uh, uh, kind of became a niche for me, and I've been enjoying it ever since. Oh, that's that's awesome, man. And I, I, I'm with you. I'm a you got a fellow nerd here. Yeah. So I, I was an early adopter of the tech as well. So <laughs> and been teased about it often. But uh, so I want to talk about the safer system. And for folks listening to the show, um, I, I know a lot of people listen to the show. You don't actually get to watch the show. So we're going to put a link to some resources in the show notes so you can go back and, and see these things access. They've got YouTube videos there. Uh, lots of different resources on what we're going to talk about today. But uh, if you would just kind of 
give us a rundown of what Safer is. This is not the Safer grant. That's something else. This is a, this is a system that you have there specifically in Frisco that provides intelligence to to well more than just the responding crews to a lot of different people. So give us a quick rundown on what that looks like, uh, Chief. I'll get you to do it from an operational perspective. What does this look like to the folks in your units that are responding? Uh, sure. So basically, uh, what it looks like to the to our personnel in the field is it's a map, you know, as a as a base, as a very base, it's a map, and it it basically has the locations of all our it displays the locations of all our fire apparatus, and, as well as our other public safety partners, uh, the police department, and it also it, and it shows where all our uh, calls for service are. It, it leverages um, you know AVL for our closest to dispatch. And it's basically the primary program, at least for the fire department, that we use to mitigate every emergency we go to. Um, you probably uh, get a lot of uh, questions or um, probably do some uh, talking uh, heavy on CAD. And while CAD is super important to what we do, and, and I don't want to devalue the, you know, how important CAD is, here in Frisco, we've almost, we, we, at least on the fire side, we, we primarily use the safer system. That's how powerful it is on getting to the incident, um, using the tools in safer to help us uh, make decisions and uh, mitigating those hazards. So it's been uh, really great. We've had it for about 15 years now and we're not slowing down. We, we come up with new ideas every day, uh, much to probably Susan and her team's uh, chagrin a little bit. But uh, I think they love it really secretly, and uh, we just keep moving forward and coming up with new ideas to make it even better. So, Susan, what are some of the, you know, he's mentioning the things a lot of fire departments are kind of used to, in municipal fire departments. You used you probably got some screen in front of you in, in front of the rig. It's got some mapping on it. It's probably going to show you where the calls are and that type of thing. But you all take it so much further. So, like, give us an Walk us through some examples of things that a, a, a lieutenant in the front of an engine or a captain or whatever can see going down the road. Like, what are some of the extra layers of data that are available to them? Okay, so um, I guess let me first just back up a tiny bit and just let everyone know that SAFER stands for Situational Awareness for Emergency Response. So what we're dealing with here is trying to provide on a geospatial platform real-time data. So, um, you know, as uh, someone hops in a rig, they're going to uh, see this geospatial platform, this mapping platform. Um, like uh, Chief Carpenter mentioned, they'll see the police officers driving around, um, all the apparatus either uh, in, in their station or driving to an, event, uh, to an incident. They have access to um, traffic cameras, over 800 traffic cameras. Um, if they're going to a school for uh, to respond in a school, we have over 4,000 cameras, and they can stream this video. Um, we have cameras for in our uh, facilities, and we're working on additional cameras throughout the um, city to begin to um, integrate with other systems to provide access to that information. Additionally, they have access to <clears throat> call information. So not only are they um, dispatched um, and routed to a call, uh, when they hop in, they uh, Safer knows what their unit number is. They're immediately routed to that call. Uh, they can open up the incident in Safer, and 
and read the call notes. Uh, understand, um, have there's visual indicators explaining um, who all is on the call. If it's, uh, you know, quickly you can see that in red, it's all the fire um, apparatus, blue, um, with, the, with the unit numbers, um, it, are the uh, police officers. And you can see visually um, if they're moving, if they're on scene, if they've arrived, if they've cleared. Um, all this information coming um, from the AVL information um, along with CAD data. Um, of course, we have the location, um, the address, uh, the ability to route to it if for some reason you're not routing, you're not on the call but need to go to it um, and need to start heading that way, you can route yourself. You, um, the, the user can read, like I said, all the call notes. Um, perhaps it's a, um, a fire um, and they can start uh, accessing uh, what we call site detail information um, by clicking on the building floor, uh, the, the building footprint, they're able to open up um, information that they've put in uh, from um, the site plan, a floor plan, uh, the uh, the uh, the oh my, well we call it the safer report, the safer plan. I don't remember what everyone else calls it. Just pre-planning information kind of, on uh, the, the pre-planning, yeah, contacts and. Yeah, the last time they did an inspection on site, um, all the information, maybe hazardous materials, all that kind of information. Of course, in GIS, um, there's uh, all kinds of information available, the Knox box locations, the FDCs, all of the fire hydrants, the all of the critical um, public safety infrastructure that um, they need is available um, in the GIS as well. What am I missing, Clay? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and if you want, if you would like me to kind of uh, go through some of the layers that we find very useful, I, I could go through those. For yeah, you. I'd love sounds, to hear that. Uh, interesting. So, um, let's, let's say we're responding to a school for a smoke detector after hours that's maybe in the kitchen. So we usually get that information from the alarm company, and uh, that's what they'll tell us in route, or we can see in safer, you know, smoke alarm or smoke detector in the uh, kitchen. Well safer routes us to that call but what the officer can do is zoom into that school and it'll show all the cameras that are in the kitchen of that particular school and we can click on those cameras and uh, stream live video to the kitchen and if we see that there's smoke in there because that's only that's typically a one unit response you know so if we see that there's smoke in there that captain on that engine can immediately upgrade this call to Get a larger response perhaps to a structure fire response and get them going right away um, if they're if they don't see any hazards they click on a couple cameras they don't see anything then you know we still don't want to become complacent by any means but it does kind of um, let us know that well we can't see anything on the cameras so we'll just do what we normally do access the knox box go in and head to the uh, kitchen and kind of see what's going on uh, what's really particularly nice about, um, and I think I mentioned a little bit, as we get closer, zoom in closer to the school, the floor plan just automatically appears. And all the uh, critical infrastructure, at least that's critical for us, like again, the Knox boxes, cameras, where's the nurse's office, if there was a medical emergency there, um, FDCs, it, all that is plotted on that school. And 
same aside from the cameras, pretty much the same for all commercial occupancies in Frisco. They're going to have that critical infrastructure that's important to the fire department readily displayed for us as we zoom in or uh, click on the uh, actual uh, building itself to provide that information for us. Um, it, Susan talked a little bit about traffic cameras. Uh, that's another powerful tool we use if we get dispatched to an, an MBA at an intersection or a motor vehicle accident at an intersection and route the captain can zoom into that intersection and click on a camera and see, well, where is it? Where is that wreck? Is it in the intersection? Is it only on westbound or northbound? And start pre-planning how he or she is going to position the apparatus where they get there or in fact, probably see how bad it is. Does it look like a minor? Or does it look like a, a very major incident? So that's a couple of the tools and I, I can keep going all hour for the full hour if you'd like to hear a whole lot more. I mean, that's amazing. There's, there's a couple of key things that mm -hmm. uh, I jotted down as you were going that will sneak by you if you're not paying attention, but they're very profound. Mm -hmm. Number one, you mentioned that you can see where the law enforcement officers are in real time. That's right. So that. And, and we get, we, and we I, actually I, get, a, and, and Eddie, we get a little more uh, granular than that. Uh, not only can we see, because what we're looking at is the position of their police cruisers. And they're looking at the position yeah. of our fire trucks and our ambulances and, uh, you know, where they are. But to, to speak to the granular point, when we get out of our apparatus and turn on, we have Motorola radios. It's on a Motorola system. When we turn those on, they actually have GPS capabilities. And what Susan's team was able to do was to uh, grab those GPS locations. And now we can actually see where the individuals are as they walk around, whether it's a police officer or a firefighter. Uh, police officers each get issued their own radio. It's issued to them. They they own it. That's not how we work in the fire department. It's issued to the seat assignment. So yeah. we'll see, actually see the names of the officers as they're walking around on the scene. Uh, on the fire department side, you'll just see the name of the riding seat. So like engine one officer or engine one driver. So that's, again, another powerful tool uh, uh, that Safer provides us so we can see where everybody is and have a better sense of accountability. So, so the reason that blows me away is that there must be a strong sense of cooperation between fire and law enforcement there in Frisco. No doubt about it. Uh, Susan uh, likes to talk a lot about partnerships and it was the partnerships that has made safer what it is today. And, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of colleagues of mine from other cities and, you know, some of them say, eh, us and PD, we're all right. And some will say, yeah, we're pretty good. You know, I'm like, what do you know? You know, like, who do you know from your PD? And they're like, oh, I can't remember his name. What's his name? You know, but, but here in Frisco, I think it feels unique compared to, you know, uh, like I said, the colleagues from that I know from other cities that, I mean, we're on a first name basis and sometimes we're going out to eat and we often share uh, the table at meetings, especially in regards to safer to come up with these kind of ideas and then uh, throw them at Susan's team to see what she can do with them. Well, that level of, I mean, you got to commend that level of cooperation because you're right. It is, it, it's it, from my experience in places I've been, uh, that's, that's pretty darn special Yeah, to have, it, you know, to share that kind of information. Well, and one of the things we also have done is uh, PD, you know, if, if you're familiar with the police department a lot, they, they're kind of lone rangers for the most part. They're, they're in their car by themselves and they have their, uh, their computers or, uh, you know, mobile data computers that they use, but we've put docking stations at all our fire stations. And sometimes they'll pull into a fire station and uh, just dock into that. And 
you know, finish some reports, talk to the firefighters and then head out or they'll borrow our uh, workout facilities, even though they have a nice workout facility at the uh, at their police department. They only have one police department. We have nine working on 10 fire stations. So if they're if their beat is closer to a fire station, they may come in and work out and talk to the firefighters. So we ha- we've really cultivated a really good relationship with uh, our police department. That's amazing. And, and it goes beyond that. So not only do you have the law enforcement cooperation, but you have the cooperation of the school system. So Susan, tell us about what that's like. How does, how did that come to be that um, the schools were willing to share that information? And are there any concerns with that, you know, as far as security, privacy, and all those types of things? How did that, how did that work out? Yeah. So um, that's a, in 2008, uh, early in 2008, uh, the school district came to uh, the then fire chief, uh, Matt Bogart, and um, said, hey, you know, we're about to uh, spend a lot of money on um, CDs of our floor plans so that when you have a school emergency, you can take that CD and pop it into your MDC and you'll know everything there is to know about our school. And uh, Chief Bogart said, well, you know, um, our MDCs don't have uh, CD players, problem number one, and we have this thing called GIS. We have this, you know, this technology that I think we might be able to use and take this concept a little bit further. And so what really just turned out, started as here's our floor plans, became a program and a partnership. They came to us. School district said we want to share our information. Um, at the very beginning of that project, <clears throat> this was a bit of, of scope creep within the project. Um, cameras weren't part of it, but um, neither was ABL, honestly. But we realized what an opportunity we have. We're doing all this other work, so our first responders can have uh, incident awareness, right? Operational awareness, and um, why don't we go ahead and add that AVL in, that, that component, and then cameras? Um, and, you know, the, the school district, um, actually, they came up with the idea. They, can we share our camera system with you? We were like, uh, well, I, I guess so. Um, at the time, there was a little over 2,000 cameras. We've almost doubled that since um, in the last 15 years. But um, they have um, been very willing um, and open w- to share with us. Um, you know, there's an understanding that 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 that, that information um, is only to be used for work, uh, working an incident, that kind of thing. Um, we do put a lot of security behind it. Um, it's an encrypted um, end-to-end, so no one can um, grab that URL and stream the video on their own. So we do have um, privacy and security. Uh, lockdown very much uh, for this process. But um, they've been fantastic partners. Um, we uh, collect um, information um, about the principals, key holders, additional information for the schools that's um, also available in that site detail interface that I, I talked about. Um, so that when they go to a school, they can, oh, it's a Sunday. Maybe it's not being used, or oh wait, they're use it for church services or something, um, or the summertime that that's being used. We collect all that kind of information so they, that our first responders have even more 
um, information for schools. Um, they've continued to work with us and um, we've sort of started to talk about different um, ideas on how to expand um, integrations with their systems. Um, they also have some insight into part of the data that our first responders have. Um, they have a, an, an app that we have developed um, so they can see their cameras back using the spatial platform. They can see their floor plans and take advantage of that. No, none of the critical information, but they have their own view of safer as well. So it's useful for them. I mean, even as like a principal or whatever can have a, a dashboard in their office and see what you would expect to yeah. see as far as the camera placement goes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How about traffic? Are the where? How do the traffic cameras? Are they owned by the state? Are they owned by the city? Who? How? How does that feed come in? Yeah. So, um, yeah, one of our um, video management systems is Milestone, and it's owned by our traffic engineering group, um, and who they're a big partner in Safer as well. Um, they're even co-located in their emergency operations center, um, at, uh, which is located in the Central Fire Department, and um, they uh, worked with us to um, bring in their cameras, um, all of their cameras in their system, most of which are at uh, intersections and, and our traffic cameras. They also have some that are on top of buildings, strategically located, water towers, those kind of things, but we have access to all of their cameras, and we work very closely with them um, to um, integrate not only that, but um, we are working on a project to integrate train information. So we have, um, we'll have sensors out um, uh, in uh, Frisco, audible, um, collecting audible signs of trains coming in, being able to collect and understand how fast they're coming, how long they are. So we'll be able to automatically put in road closures and understand when, um, uh, maybe an engine is dispatched um, to a call and there's going to be a road closure, obviously there's going to be a, um, a stall, a, a, a period where that, that rig isn't able to get through. And so perhaps there, a, a different engine that actually from a different station would be better suited to, um, to respond. So we're going to be pull, pulling that information and um, our colleague, in uh, engineering actually uh, helped us collect or get a grant for that information for for that um, implementation um, we also worked very closely with um, traffic engineering to um, implement the closest to dispatch that uh, chief carpenter mentioned earlier um, which allowed us um, the goal was to clear the streets uh, faster and um, by um, understanding who's closest to be dispatched, um, understanding uh, not just as the crow flies, but using the road network, understanding who can get there fastest um, was really important to both fire and police, but fire uses it on all their calls. Um, and um, uh, that's made a big difference um, as well. Again, I guess back to the original question, I kind of deviated a little bit, but the traffic cameras are a fantastic way to understand our dispatchers have access. We haven't even talked about them. Our dispatchers and call takers have access to all this information as well. So as they're getting these calls, they can um, 
they can look at the cameras and, and see how big the incident is. What may, perhaps it's an extrication is going to be required. Um, uh, maybe there's a fire. They can start collecting information that the call take or the the the, the reporter may not even be providing, but they are able to visualize. Um, at the same time, on these bigger calls I mentioned earlier, um, the traffic some traffic engineering is uh, co-located in the emergency operations center. When they see a big a big accident occur, they actually start um, uh, opening up um, through safer or through milestone. They're able to open up the cameras and zoom into the area. So when the call taker does open it up, they're seeing what they need to see. Um, they're not having to scramble to move the cameras around if it's a PTZ, for instance. Um, so they really work together um, closely, and it's again that partnership um, just abounds. It's 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 with all of them. Um, it's I've, pretty I've seen, neat to see. I've seen. Uh, I think it's San Antonio. I'm thinking of. They they have the ability to open a caller's camera on their device they're calling on. Oh, uh huh. Mm -hmm. I, is that something that you see in the future to where you could maybe feed a caller to a first do engine or something like that? Yeah, I can see that happening. Um, we um, don't have a project in place for that right now. Um, but uh, I do know that um, that's something that uh, the police department has uh, brought to our attention mm -hmm. and, and suggested that maybe in the future, um, there's so many possibilities that um, that's, you know, one of many um, that we would like to try to move forward. One of the one of the challenges, um, again, you have to think about privacy and how are you going to handle that information that's being shared and is it being collected? Is it being stored? There's just so many um, considerations that you right. really need to um, move carefully um, into something like that. So it's amazing to listen to the, there's so many levels of cooperation. You have cooperation from law enforcement, you have cooperation from schools, you have cooperations from your uh, your roads folks, your Department of Transportation, uh, communications center is involved in that. They're, they're cooperating and, and participating in it. I mean, good grief. Who Am I leaving anybody out? That's like. I, I tell you, you know, I say it all the time, and none of this would be possible if our leadership um, and the city manager's office didn't support uh, SAFER and GIS the way it has from the beginning. You know, when, when I started GIS um, in 2001, um, January, I just mm -hmm. had my um, anniversary a couple days ago, and um, those le the leadership realized the value of, of having a GIS in a growing city. At the time, we were 35,000. Now we're over 235,000. We've grown 200,000 people since we started. And the leadership recognized early on, we need GIS to help grow and shape the city, to understand our city. So when um, Safer came to them and said, well, and police and fire said, we need GIS to help us make better decisions for the safety of our city, for the safety of our citizens and our officers out in the field, they said, yeah, let, let's do it. They, they've been supportive from day one. Um, you know, we sat in a council session yesterday and they talked about, you know, innovations and 
you know, the, the very first person that talked about all the innovative things that we, we've done in the city, the first thing that came out of that person's mouth was GIS and SAFER. Couldn't be more proud that they recognized, you know, how important this has been throughout the organization's history, recent history, right, um, and that explosive growth. But, um, but the value that it's brought to our, our I say my, our business, but um, our departments and um, all my colleagues. So, and it's, it's been it's, an award-winning program, I should mention, mm -hmm. too. I, I noticed that you got uh, several awards over the last couple of years for this project. Yeah, in 2010, we won Esri's President's Award, which um, for a GIS person is kind of the holy grail. Yeah. Um, I never imagined ever that I would get on that stage. Uh, you know, even, even having Jack. your picture, yep. even having your an image, one of your images show up there. But yeah, getting to show off safer and talk about it and and being in front of 13,000 people, talk about nervous. I was telling Clay, I was a little nervous today, but um, that was really nerve wracking. And, but so exciting to be recognized for the innovation that we, we were able to accomplish. Now it, we went live almost 14 years ago. And um, still people aren't doing it. And you know, there's not anything rocket science about it. You, you talked a little bit about it earlier, but you know, a lot of cities have the foundation and the beginnings of this, and they have the data. It's just a matter of having that collaboration and that partnership and willingness to put the work in. Um, if, if I didn't have uh, Chief Carpenter or Chief Hagen, who's my um, stakeholder over in the police department, if I didn't have them to call and say, hey, you know, we, I'm having a problem with, with this process. I'm not getting this information. Or how can I help you because this doesn't seem to be working quite right? Or they'll call me and say, hey, we have this new idea. Um, this last year, I don't know if Chief Carpenter wants to talk about it at all, but um, about Firewatch and what we implemented and sure. why we implemented it. Sure, yeah. Firewatch uh, was born, is an idea that was born out of the February uh, 21 uh, ice storm that came through. I'm sure uh, you got a piece of that uh, where you are, but the, the temperatures got uh, below zero actually for at least one of those days. But uh, in Texas, we, we're not accustomed to those kind of temperatures, especially over that long uh, duration. So yeah. uh, we usually have our one storm that comes through our, or our one cold front that comes through maybe two a year that where things dip pretty far below um, freezing and we'll have some busted sprinkler pipes. And, um, but what, what the February 21 storm did, it gave us, I want to say over 300 broken sprinkler pipes, pipes in different businesses. And when the, uh, when the event was over, a lot of the feedback we got from the field, from our officers was, gosh, we know we have a lot of uh, fire suppression systems that are out of service at various businesses. Wish we had a list of what those were. So over the coming months, as we respond to these businesses, uh, we'd like to know, do they have a working suppression system or not? And uh, that kind of was like, hey, you know what? That's actually a really good idea and it's relevant. And if you can see it, you know, as Susan says, spatially or on a, on a map, then, you know, wow, how powerful would that be? So uh, we, we, we worked on it together and came up with some good ideas. And now um, as our, uh, 
as our crews in the field are making calls today, actually we're kind of going through this week, we went through another uh, cold spell and broke some pipes, uh, some sprinkler pipes that froze and busted. They enter right there on their MDCs, a fire watch and issue it to the uh, building representative. They sign right on the touchscreen uh, laptop that we have in our apparatus sends out notifications to our fire marshal's office that, hey, we have a system issue over here. It's been turned off. It has uh, pictures in it if the uh, the field uh, crew members decided that they need to give a visual. says exactly what's wrong with it, that they're on fire watch, and it lets our fire prevention office know to follow up. And in addition to that, it creates a visual on that particular occupancy. So if we respond there, say, next week, it outlines it in a very... Um, um, alerting uh, red and yellow outline that lets us know, hey, this building's on fire watch, and if we click on it, it'll tell us the details of it. So as you can imagine, if we were responding to an office building that had that icon and we clicked, say we were responding for a structure fire, and we saw that they're on fire watch, we clicked on to see why, and their whole system is down. Well, that's dramatically going to change how we respond to that and the tactics we use to uh, put that fire out. So Amazing. Yeah. Very amazing. So if I were a fire department, police department, uh, city, county manager someplace, um, how would I begin to cook this stew? Like what what are the most essential parts of uh, what essential pieces and parts do I need to have to, to get to a baseline starting point? Like what, what would you say? How would you begin? Well, I think Susan would start off by saying uh, or reiterating how important partnerships are with uh, you know, having that collaboration between uh, the different city departments or stakeholders um, that create value for the system. So um, I think that's where, where, where we'd start, but I think that's probably a question better for uh, you, Susan, on how to, how to get started with. Uh, what are the main ingredients, Susan? Yeah, so he did steal number one is that partnership um, because that, that's key. Um, what we're trying to accomplish here is access, in, in large part, is accessing and leveraging business data, right? And, and being able to visualize it. And what I hear time and time again is, well, you know, PD doesn't want to, police department doesn't want to share that information, or fire doesn't want to sh share that with police department. So the willingness to say, yeah, this is our data, this is our business data, but we need to share it for the, you know, the good of, of everyone. The, the call information, all of that information is really valuable to the police and fire. So just understanding that your data is going to be out there to the appropriate people and that willingness to, to let that happen. Then, of course, you, you have to have a strong foundation in GIS. You, not just any GIS, you really need to have a, a fairly accurate uh, GIS. Um, we are extremely um, cautious about putting out data that's very high accuracy, spatial accuracy, data accuracy, all of that information complete. We put it out because we're growing. We make sure that we um, pull information at the very beginning of any kind of development. They're able to visualize that someday something's going to happen here. Something, a, a residential subdivision's coming there, um, commercial uh, uh, occupancy's coming. All that information 
is put in very early in the stages for um, in GIS. So when an incident happens on a work site, which is very often, it's already in there. They can route themselves to that to that site. They have some awareness of what's being built, what kind of chemicals might be on site, that kind of thing. But just ha that reiterating that that strong foundation in GIS, and then um, an understanding of data in general and how to integrate data and innovate. Um, we want to make we don't want to put in data that's already um, uh, being entered by the police department or the fire department. The fire watch was a good example. Yeah, we could put in the there's, there's a fire watch in the building every time one comes in, but we don't do anything manually. We put it in once and done. We build an integration that on the back end watches for that data to change or appear. Good example, the peak hazmat, um, when there, a, a plume is generated, that's a whole disparate system that generates a geospatial uh, feature that Safer watches for and displays as soon as it's created, as soon as once created. We don't go and copy it and put it in the file. We, as, as much as we can, we automate everything um, as far as leveraging that data. So really thinking um, about not creating let me, let me data, catch that. but taking you're, you're advantage. Back, you're grabbing the plume uh, layer in real time and displaying it in the system. Yes. Yeah. So kind of how a little bit how that works is uh, we we have a hazmat team that's staffed here at the fire department. They're part of our rescue company. So two trucks with six firefighters, and they use as Susan alluded to is a peak. It's a common uh, commonly used uh, hazmat software. And uh, what we'll do, let's take a gas leak, a natural gas leak, for instance. If they respond to a gas leak, you know, they enter some data elements there. You know, wind speed, wind direction, the size of the uh, the pipe that is uh, broken and then peak creates this plume that uh, to Safer's or to, to Susan's point, uh, Safer's looking for. Once that plume is created, it gets plotted onto Safer and everybody who uses Safer can see it. So whether you're police department, fire department, your traffic engineering, you can see kind of what is that hazard zone, how big does it look, and uh, you know start making decisions from there. Amazing. So I, has it uh, has it helped the police officers avoid standing in the hot zone? <laughs> I think we help more than uh, Safer does. Sorry, Susan. I know that's not a nice uh, nice thing to say, but no, they, they're 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 pretty spot on. They are very familiar with how Safer works and how the plumes work. But uh, that's amazing. Another layer I'd like to can't help but to crack a joke every now yeah, and then. No, right? You have to at their expense for sure. Uh, yeah. But uh, a, a layer that I'd like to kind of highlight that that also helps with that is uh, Susan and her team have been able to put in all the public franchise utilities um, into this mapping. So if we do go to a gas leak, we just turn on the, the gas layer and it'll show all the pipes, the different sizes, same for electricity and who are the electricity providers, you know, is it this company or this company or water lines, you know, how large are these water lines? Where are they running? And, you know, when she talks about accuracy, it is accurate. It is exactly you know, where, where you expect it to be based on safer. One of the kind of the stories I like to highlight about those kind of layers is uh, they've also put storm water in there. And uh, one morning our station seven was alerted to, uh, there was a single engine response to a red substance that was floating in the retention, the neighborhood retention pond. 
So he went out there and I happened to be on duty that day as a battalion chief at the time. And the engine captain called and he said, yeah, there's a lot of red, red substance floating in this uh, pond. I don't know what it is. What do you think? I was like, well, upgrade to a hazmat. We'll all come take a look and test it. So we came out there, took a look. Well, in this retention pond, there's only one way to get water in it, and that's through our stormwater system. So we all turned on our stormwater layer and went driving and followed everywhere. And we ended up uh, coming up behind a uh, car wash and lube center. And uh, when we looked in their dumpster area, all you could see was this red substance everywhere. And uh, so we, we questioned them. It turned out they had an unreported fire the night before, and a 55-gallon drum of transmission oil had burned, and they power washed it down the storm drain. So in this in this case, we were able to hold them accountable for the cleanup, and uh, that was a, uh, you know, you don't always get to do that. Sometimes you run into a hazard, and the city's on the hook for just taking care of it because that's what a city's supposed to do. But in this case, uh, we were able to hold them accountable for the uh, cost of uh, doing that, and uh, have a have a nice chat with them on uh, the proper way to report fires and clean up uh, hazardous materials. Amazing. It, it, Susan, are you right? So this is running on Esri, am I right? Is that the right Correct. platform? Correct, yeah. We have, um, we take advantage of many of Esri's uh, product line. Um, this particular safer was um, developed internally. Um, so it's not a product that can be sold or bought, um, but maybe recreated. Um, it, it, it was built on, um, the uh, ARC, uh, let's see here, the Esri MAPS SDK. And um, uh, we have um, two developers on staff. It was just one for, I think, 14 years. We had one developer on staff, and um, we added a second one because there's a, a lot of risk in having the number one most critical application <laughs> that um, fire and second for police department. Um, uh, application like that with 30 plus integrations that those developers also built um, uh, just to have just to have one so we we expanded doubled our team size um, but yeah we take advantage of um, the Esri platform uh, and throughout the throughout the program so. that that's like I started the conversation today with um, that's a fairly widespread uh, application. And so most local governments that are that are that have GIS capabilities probably have that. And and that's the the point I wanted to make because I kind of want to, you know, if you're a fire chief, a police chief, a mayor, a city manager, county manager, uh, an elected official on a on a some sort of local government board, uh, there's no reason why you couldn't do this. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. So um, start somewhere. Right. Um, you have, if you have um, the foundation built, you have um, spatially accurate data, you have um, some folks. Uh, I always say you probably need more GIS people um, because, you know, it, all of our GIS staff contribute towards the information that the enterprise uses. Police and fire is able to take advantage of, of the work many of our you know, GIS folks do. Um, so if you have a GIS person, you know, work with them, work smart. 
um, maybe take advantage of some of um, the products that um, Esri have already put together, some of the solutions. Um, this particular product is very intuitive, very easy to use, click away. So the easier it is to use, um, the less clicks, that's um, definitely a value. Um, but there, there is really no reason why cities can't get started. And there are commercially available products as well that can do a, a lot of what we've done. Not quite everything. And, you know, I'd say I think we do it really well. Um, but um, there are products out there. Um, and if there's solutions that you can get started with today that Esri has um, out there. And I'm not trying to plug them. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, take advantage of, of some of the solutions that have even been that either have been created or use some of those ideas and build something yourself using some of the products that they've um, put together using ArcGIS Online or whatever. And, like and you know, that. it's a, it's going to be a difficult conversation for some localities, I'm sure, because as we've mm -hmm. discussed, you know, some people are w more willing to share information than others. But right. that's why I'm kind of uh, kind of reaching out to the the local government leaders to it may require some influence from them to go this is what I this is what I expect for my public safety responders and and we'll have to talk about you know how to get that done and and what cooperation needs to be facilitated and what funding is necessary and those types of things but i i it, to know that this exists and not everyone have it drives me a little nuts i feel like this sudden panic that this has to happen soon you know and i know it won't be soon but uh but I, I feel like this is one of the real initiatives that needs to kind of be top of mind for the fire service. And, and Chief, I was going to ask you, yes, sir. how does this impact, how does SAFER fit into your budget process? Like, what do you have, what kind of, uh, do you have a line item? Is this expensive for the fire department? Like, what do you, how is it built into your financial side? It's uh, it's uh, free to the fire department. So it's really nice. Um, <laughs> We really appreciate our support from other departments who might pay for that. That's probably, I'm, I'm kidding around. Uh, that's, uh, that's probably <laughs> right. a, uh, uh, we, it, we, that's for our GIS department and our, uh, well, I asked the question on purpose because I knew the answer. I'm like, you know, this is, this is not going to break the bank for the fire department. Uh, it might, no, it's it will, not. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, they, they're that goes welcome. Back. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Susan, go ahead. I was going to say they're welcome to budget. Um, for a, a, an additional resource so we can start working on your long list of things. So, because that's what we do sometimes is, is we, if, if they have work that needs to be done, they want a dedicated resource, they can budget for it. They can fight and say, this is important to us. And then it becomes an IT resource dedicated to that entity or to that department and agency. And that, so, that kind of highlights, that, that highlights a lot of what Susan says about partnerships. You know, uh, we do give her and her team quite a bit of ideas. And if we're not standing, you know, beside them at budget time and telling them how important, you know, safer is to not only maintain, but enhance each and every year, then it, pro it makes it a little difficult for her team to continue to do you know, what they're doing and making things easier for us. You know, I talked a, a little bit earlier about how granular Safer can be. One project that we just uh, wrapped up with her team was uh, uh, had to do with closest to dispatch and um, actually getting all the way down to 
how long does it take one of our fire trucks? So if you're familiar with a platform aerial having a tandem axle, that's a very large, uh, mm -hmm. you know, long truck. And then a fire engine, our fire engines are pretty short. And you got our uh, ambulances or administration, uh, administrative vehicles. They all have a different time it takes them to turn to an intersection. So a person from her team, a person from my team jumped on all three of these types of apparatus are timing turns from major roads to minor roads to residential roads to even fire lanes and calculated those times and, and when i when you talk about granular that's granular right well so they they averaged out all those times and put it into our closest to dispatch system and it, and it made a difference now we're not talking about blocks you know we're talking about properties and uh, parcels but that's the accuracy of the information that susan expects to be in safer and uh, that's the partnership we've created. The okay, this is a project we want to take on. We want to get a little more further, you know, look on who's what districts actually own what uh, properties. And uh, that was uh, quite a lengthy process. There was a lot of turning involved in uh, <laughs> in doing all those four types of roads: left, right, straight. Let's do it a bunch of times and figure it out. And uh, it was, I think it was great. Now. The troops out in the field, some of them were probably like, oh, man, we got this high school. We thought that belonged to them. Now it belongs to us. But um, it, was a, it was a great project. And uh, But those are just some of the ideas that we throw their way. And she talked a little bit about the train stuff. And can't wait to get that one online. That's going to be a real good That's one. That's amazing as well. Yeah. What? Um, any parting thoughts? Like, What advice would you give somebody who is listening to this show and kind of drooling over the possibilities of what could be done uh, any any parting advice for somebody in that situation? Get to know your uh, I'm both yeah. Get to know your uh, your your uh, partners uh, throughout the city. Um, again, Chief Bogart, kind of what Susan talked about. Chief Bogart and her got together and brainstormed this plan along with the school district. And uh, if you just operate in a in your own little silo and are just doing everything you know on your own little world you're you're operating on this island by yourself it's kind of hard to come up with these innovative uh type technologies like susan and her team have developed you know you got to get out there get to know you know what your city can do i don't know what the water department can do for me unless i know people in the water department and know how they conduct business same for technology if i didn't know anyone in the it department well, I really wouldn't know what they could do for me and how I could leverage, you know, what they're doing to enhance business on my side on what I'm trying to do in the field and uh, enhance emergency response. So that would be my advice is uh, put yourself out there and uh, get to know your uh, fellow city employees and your stakeholders throughout the city, like the school district, business owners, um, you know, all types of different uh, uh, business owners uh, and uh uh, religious institutions say that they're all very helpful in understanding what their needs are and how we can better serve them. Excellent. Great advice. Susan, what do you think? What would you tell someone who's sitting there trying to figure out how to begin? Yeah, start the conversation. Uh, pretty much what Clay said. I mean, start the conversation. If you're in IT, if you're in GIS, reach out to your public safety, see what their needs are, work with them. Um, one thing that we do in, in, in IT is we don't typically own projects. The business owns projects. They come to us and we partner with them to make sure we meet their needs. And I think it's really important to understand 
what they're what's what's the problem they're trying to solve and um, just really work with them to understand what it is they need and um, uh, and in some 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 cities some entities one thing may not be very important but something else may be so make sure you start that conversation hear what they have to say and um, you know get leadership buy-in um, and start moving forward but make sure that you you're working and understanding the needs from the top down all everybody in the organization because it's not just um, the chiefs because if they've been a chief a while they may not know what it's like today to be in a rig right with the technology that we have available so make sure that you're hearing from the users and um, and just have that conversation outstanding good great great advice I would you know I would add um, you, you made some good points about supporting the GIS function right that whether that be in the fire service or uh, elsewhere most fire I say most a, a lot of fire chiefs are so busy trying to put firefighters in jump seats riding backwards that uh, they don't often have the time or interest to think about other positions, you know, other things. And um, we probably need to rethink that approach because uh, getting those GIS professionals in place, whether they be in the fire department or, or in IT department or wherever, um, that's a big, big piece of the puzzle that we have to make sure we, we address it. Like the NFPA 1022 is, uh, I just saw the last draft go out the door the other day and uh, there has a whole position section on GIS analyst. So that's now part of the, the professional standard thing in the NFPA. So that's that's progress, right? We've got a data analyst, uh, data analyst uh, description. We've got a GIS analyst description and a business analyst description that are part of that, of that standard. So that's progress. Now we just have to get that to be top of mind for the fire service. Sure. And if you're familiar well, with the, the 21st century uh, fire emergency services white paper, Technology is one of those. I believe yep. it's eight initiatives. It's it's one of those initiatives, it, and yes, it is. And it is also with the National Fallen Firefighters uh, uh, Foundation as well. Technology, so we can't we can't ignore it. All of the the people that are smarter than me are saying, "Hey, this is one of the things you need to be uh, looking at and investing in," and that's what we're doing here in Frisco. Well, I I want to congratulate Frisco, the city, the fire department, IT department, police department, schools, transportation, everybody involved in Frisco local government. I want to commend you and and really just congratulate you on a unprecedented uh, piece of cooperative work. I mean, I've I haven't seen anything like that uh, anywhere that I can think of where you had such comprehensive cooperation across the local government. That's amazing. Um, so. My complete congratulations to all involved with that process. That's that's really phenomenal, and I appreciate you taking your time out to be on the show today. Thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us today and sharing that information. You bet, Eddie. That's a great conversation. I'm glad we can get it out there and um, see if uh, maybe this will get other municipalities to take a look at what they're doing and uh, kind of uh, get that get that fire started to, to move forward on GIS technologies and other technologies in general. Outstanding. Any parting words, Susan? I didn't know we were supposed to be starting fires. <laughs> we're putting them out. No, totally agree. That's a training feel division. Free to reach, yeah, exactly. Feel free to reach out. Um, I really appreciate uh, 
you having us on the the show today. And um, if anybody wants to learn more, check out the website and reach out to us. We'd be happy to talk to you. Outstanding. Thank you so much. And folks, that is a wrap for the Fire Service Data and Tech Talk for this month. We'll be back next month with another show. If you uh, have ideas for us, to, uh, things for us to talk about, you can reach us at Fire Service Data and Tech Talk on Facebook. We have a, a Twitter handle, which is Data Tech Talk. And you can always find me on LinkedIn at Eddie Buchanan. So that's a wrap for this episode. Everybody be safe and we'll see you next month. Fire Service Data and Tech Talk. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com.